coming up next. She's a bleak house. She's a bleak house. Thank you. My name is Nathan. Alberson is my last name. Aaron's my middle name. And I have no other names except for, I was going to say, except for the pastor who's a master of reading. That's, <laughs> that's not one. your name. <laughs> that's not my name. No, it's not even my title. My title is Humble and Obedient Host. And I'm going to introduce you to some fine folks today. Hmm. One of them might even be a surprise if you're a moron that didn't listen to last week's episode. Um <laughs> That Hello, of course is moron. Brandon. <laughs> hey. Hey, Brandon. Am I the moron? No, you're not. No, you're not the moron. Oh. You may well have not listened to last week's episode, but you were no. there for it, man. Man, I was. You were, and you were wearing a fine Feels sweater. Feels like it was just, just an hour ago. An hour ago, yeah. Well, time is a flat circle and all that sort of stuff. Brandon, you got your hair slicked back, growing a little scruff, maybe trying to get a beard or Who something. Who knows? Who knows? Occasionally, I like to see what happens. Occasionally, you like to see what happens, Yeah. One of my favorite people. He's Brandon Chastain. How are you doing, Brandon? Nathan, I'm doing great. You're, You're one of my favorite people. Thank you. You're welcome. That makes me feel good. Good. Because there's a lot of people out there, and I know you know some of them. I know and at least a handful. You know a handful, and I am one of your favorites. Yep. What have I done to become one of your favorites, Brandon? You've been Nathan Alberson. That's right. So if anyone else wants to become one of your favorite people, all they have to do <laughs> is, is become you. Kill me, bury my body in a shallow grave somewhere. Build a suit that looks like you. Build a suit that looks like me. Get your wit and charm and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. There yeah. You. And... So how do I know they haven't? Not yet. You don't? Yeah, you could very well be an imposter who has done those exact things. We'll never know. You, yeah, we'll never will. You could be an imposter that killed Brandon and built a Brandon suit. Yeah. We'll never know. We'll never know. And speaking of imposters... Yeah. What if someone killed Jake? Oh. And was impostizing him. Yeah, man, that would be something. <laughs> that would be something. Impastor, <laughs> impasterizing, impasterizing. Yeah, like cheese. Uh, <laughs> Brennan, hey, I need you to introduce the fake and/or real. How do we know? Jacob Mensel. Do you have a knife? It's like that scene in Stranger Things where we find knife? out that Will's not. They stab the dummy. Hey. And they pull the cotton out. Are you going to stab Jake and pull the cotton out? Well, if he's fake, it'll be cotton. Yeah, but if he's real, there'll be blood. And oh, so much blood. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you introduce Jake? Yeah. And you can just and then report back to me on whether you think he's an imposter. And maybe ask him something that only the real Jake would know. Okay. You, you want to ask him the thing that only the real Jake would know? No, you, you can. Hi, Jake. Pastor who's a master of reading. Hi. I bet you don't know. Brandon. He knows your the name. The scholar who's a baller of reading. Oh, uh, he, that sounds a lot like Jake to me. Mm-hmm. What should we ask Jake? What's something that only Jake would know? So let's try and trick him. Yeah. So Jake, did yes. you enjoy your time hanging out, eating dinner with your wife, Beatrice, and your eight kids? Um, no, I did not. You don't like Beatrice anymore? <laughs> yes. Oh, ask him. Okay. Um. 
I'm going to consult with Brandon the, here. Ask more about the kids. The kids. Pursue that angle. Okay, kids angle. Um, How is Flippo? I wouldn't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Okay. I panicked and came up with a really dumb kid's name, Brandon. <laughs> this, is, this isn't going so well, Nathan. <laughs> I need a better um, kid's name. Uh, uh, um, oh, ask him about uh, Imogene. Imogene? Imogene's a good name. Okay. Yeah. Jake. Yes. I'm a gene. You are. Yes. <laughs> you are a gene. Yep. <laughs> Brandon, he thinks I'm a gene. Yeah. That's not something oh, I mean, technically you are a gene. You aren't wearing, no, you're not wearing jeans. No, I'm not wearing jeans. I never wear jeans. Maybe yeah. you're not the real Brandon. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is all a ruse. I was working with Jake the whole yeah. time to it's expose like Mission you. Impossible. You're exposed. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Tear off your mask now. Oh, no. <laughs> and that's how you play Booking Introductions, but we're not done yet. <laughs> Because we have to find out whether it's the real Danielle Luis. Luis. <laughs> Luis. Luis. Oh, uh, William. Spanish man. What's your middle initial? E. E. Wait, Luisa May Alcott? Evelyn. Louisa. Louisa. Oh, Evelyn? Not Evelyn, no. Eliza. Dan- Wait, what's Not your, Eliza. the initial? Esther. Is what? L? E. E. Okay. <laughs> Esquire. L like Eliza. L, L like Elsa? No. No. Not is, Elsa. It, is it Esquire? Esther. <laughs> no, it's not Esquire <laughs> or Esther. <laughs> Jake, you have any guesses or do you know? Elizabeth. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, wow. Eliza was close. It was close. Okay. I almost, gave, I almost gave you half a point there. Yeah. But I was distracted by Luis over there. Luis. <laughs> Luis. <laughs> Luis. <laughs> okay. Guys, we have to verify that this is the real Danny. Okay. If she is, then of course she'd be the mom who's bomb of rooting. Step, step, Danny. Some might call her. And other things. Mrs. McNeely, I, I assume some youngins probably, and some respectful ends mm-hmm. probably call mm. uh, Some respectful youngins. Yep. Just generally respectful individuals that like to refer to people by their last names. What can we ask her? What can we do to trick her, boys? Oh. We should try and throw her a curveball, something that only the real Danny would know. So did you enjoy appearing on Heart of Darkness with us? No, I didn't enjoy that. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Nana. Because you had a bad time appearing on Heart of Darkness and therefore didn't enjoy it? Can one appear on an audio file? Ooh. She's awfully philosophical. <laughs> she is. Yeah, she's, she's backing you into a corner, man. Can one appear on an audio file? Or is appearing a visual kind of verb? Don't let her distract you with her questions. Yeah. Ask her if she's actually Nietzsche. <laughs> so, Nietzsche... Are you actually him? He mispronounced my name. Oh. It's, it's Danny. Danny, okay. Oh, it's Danny. Yeah. Okay. How do you pronounce it? Danny? Danny. Donnie? Danny. You, said, you said Nietzsche. Oh, Nietzsche. It's not my name. Danicha? Danicha. Ah, Danicha. Ah, Danicha. Danicha. We're in Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> All right. Wow. That was a great introduction. A plus. I'm going to call introductions it. today. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. I liked it. All right, guys. Bleak House. We were in the middle of a cliffhanger. Jesus. The house. House. <laughs> Previously on the booking, Jake that? said, the pro, the pro, Blum. I don't think you even said Blum. No, I was already going to finish it. Oh, yeah. Previously on the booking, Jake said, the pro, and now he's going to finish that sentence and he's going to express a thought and we're going to respond to it in typical whimsy and wisdom and booking fashion. So go ahead, Jake. The problem is we only have a month. To read the book. To read a book. 
Oh. Yes. And, this and is those paper. months can be packed with other things like holidays, mm-hmm. which the month that we had to read Bleak House was packed with. Yeah. Lots of things. Yeah. Well, we, it's, I, it's interesting that you say that. I actually wondered about how, what it would be like to divide this up into serials and actually read a serial a month. We had that same conversation actually today, Nathan and I, earlier, if, that, if we actually broke this up into mm-hmm. the serials and read them one serial a month. I think we have too much input. We wouldn't, we wouldn't remember any of it. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. But, you know, what I I really think that a, there are a lot of, I love this show, the way we have it set up. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't change it for the world. Nope. But if there was a kind of book where there might be an advantage to the close read style, mm-hmm. this is the kind of book. Absolutely. Yeah. To be able to take the time. Spend the time that you need to spend. It's a book that's yeah. meant to be luxuriated and you're yeah. supposed to have the time. And when you don't have it, it's frustrating. No, yeah. we, don't want to we just yeah. don't have the time to luxuriate in an 870 yeah. I page book. We will be running into that it's same hard. problem it's next hard. year. Yeah, we will be running into that same problem next year. What are we, we, tend, we tend to do that with December book. Yeah. Or January. Is that one January? I don't know. That's we December. Have, we'll have to announce our book. It's our big Christmas book. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, agreed. A hundred percent. That is a flaw in the matrix that is the bookening. Yeah. But it's going to disadvantage, always disadvantage books like this, in my in my opinion. Yeah. And it will tend to favor things like... The Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Over this. Which is dumb because The Great Gatsby is nothing. Yeah. The Great this. Gatsby doesn't hold a candle to this. No. Sorry, F. Scott. You're fine and all that, but... Yeah, you're fine and all that. You a Gatsby fan, Danielle? Um, I'm not not a fan. The Great Gatsby, the book in it was the book in high school where all the really cool, mature kids were. They knew, they understood the Great Gatsby uh, and just how true it was. Mm, and so, yeah, like, I would have hated those people. All about life, yeah, and all stuff. those guys. Yeah, I knew people like that, and I always mm. laughed at them. Yeah, they were all the kids on theater or in yeah. theater and on oh, the right. recycling club. I feel like yeah. 1984 was that book for us. A, because mm. it had a bunch of sex scenes. B, because it's just like people, you know, you, you didn't get it. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah. it was sophisticated. They, they were undergrads. Yeah. Like, but I, uh, yeah, I never did. Sophomores. Yeah. Uh, say what? Sorry. Sophomores. Yeah. Sophomores in the. Yeah. Sophomorons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. hey. <laughs> Guys, it cannot be put off any longer. Yeah. I want to discuss the depiction of females in this novel. This is like the main course. This is the reason that I wanted Danny to be on this thing. Because what did it, what else? Oh, we did um, Poirot. That yeah, uh, yeah. Christie. Obviously, she can't write characters. It's real flat and boring and terrible. <sighs> and there's you know there's not really a lot of <laughs> nuanced character writing. Nobody listened to Nathan. Turn off the show. Turn off the show. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't listen to him about Agatha Christie. No, no, she's great. Everybody loves Agatha Christie except for me because I'm a curmudgeon. I'm, uh, yeah. Curmudgeon. I don't know. You I don't know it right. That's a good word. Yeah. Even you guys like Agatha Christie. I Even thought she me. was fine. Yeah. I was entertained. Mm-hmm. I and was the, entertained. And, and that was not her best work. Was it? Yeah. Reference to Gladiator. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you're welcome. Wonderful. The frost, sometimes it makes the blade stick. Yeah, two of us can reference Gladiator. <laughs> so, come on, Jake. My name is Batman. <laughs> Wrong movie. Maximus. Meridius. Decimus. Father to a murdered son. Husband to a murdered wife. And I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. He got his vengeance in this life. He stabbed that guy. Come Spoiler. On, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. He deserved it, though. Okay. 
Danny, your thoughts on Gladiator? <laughs> Good Christmas movie? Uh-huh. Better than Die Hard. Uh, as a Christmas movie or just Christmas as a movie? movie than Die Hard? Uh, <laughs> Christmas Story? No uh, Story. Not Wonderful Life? Maybe. Uh, Christmas M- Carol? Muppet Christmas Carol. A Muppet Christmas Carol. Perhaps a controversial truth mm-hmm. about me. Okay. I have never cared for a Christmas story. Same. I, I don't care for it. That's fascinating. I'm in a room with the three people. <laughs> And the doors have been locked and we're setting it on fire. It watches like a TV movie to me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's very nostalgic for me. Because yeah. A, I love right. the 40s. I love the era. And B, yeah. I grew up with it. So yeah. I can't separate. I don't know whether it's actually any good, but I sure love it. Oh. I mean, I know it inside and out, but I don't, I've never loved it or really cared about it. We never watched it when we were kids. I've only watched it. That's your problem. As an adult. Yeah, same. So. Yeah, that's your problem. Yeah, yeah. And I, to be fair, I haven't watched it in a few years. Maybe I would like it now. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, it's a McNeely family favorite. And so I have, I've You've watched it with them. Through it many a time. But I'm just not a fan. Wow. Set in Indiana. Mm. Yep. I forgot that. Yeah. I am doing a podcast with three Grinches right now. Yeah. And I'm just a who down in Whoville who likes a Christmas story a lot. <laughs> well, maybe our hearts will grow three times today. Maybe. Maybe Col- Jake's will grow for Dickens. Culver's has anything to say about it. If Culver's has anything to say <laughs> My heart will grow. <laughs> The new Culver's. <laughs> I eat a lot of hamburgers. It'll, it'll grow plaque. Plaque in your eyes. My heart will swell and expand. And, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Due to the unhealthy eating practices. <laughs> <laughs> it, t- it took me a minute to <laughs> He's with us world. now. It was bad. It's a bad joke. Or Bleak House. Bleak House. <laughs> Women. Mm-hmm. Do we like them? <laughs> wow. Brandon. Does the Dickens question. like them? <laughs> in this day and age. <laughs> uh, they're Gosh. fine. I'm okay. I like some of them. Don't yeah. like others. Yeah. I like the nice ones. Don't like the nasty ones. <laughs> I like the good ones, but not so much the bad ones. Yeah. Uh, my favorite women? In my opinion. Uh, I like the incandescent Meredith a lot. I like my mom. These would be in my top five. Uh, let's see. <laughs> in no particular order. No particular <laughs> order. You got incandescent <laughs> Meredith and my mom. They're like vying for the top. Yeah. If the incandescent Meredith ever becomes Mr. Nathan... Which I assume she will. <laughs> Mr. Nathan, yes. Yeah, Mrs. Yeah, Mrs. Mr. Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> which which she will. If she stabs me, assumes my identity, and gets a gender swap thing. Whoa. Um, Meredith, is that you? <laughs> Brad, hello, Brandon. <laughs> I'm the incandescent Meredith. Of Nathan. I'm an incandescent. Oh. <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> I don't know Meredith why. is also a boy's name. This is the voice that I'm doing. Ow. It's, like, uh, it's like Christian Bale's Batman. Denny? Do you mm-hmm. want to be in my top five women? Um, sure. It's you can pretty be number open. five. You've got a couple uh, sisters-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> I like them. So they have to be three out. and four. So the yeah. top, so the five spot is still open. I guess you can be in it unless I come up with someone that should be in it over you, which is possible. I, it's possible. We're friends. I, I like you a lot, but I yeah. don't, top five is a, you know. It's it's a big thing. It's a big thing. I mean, um, I've, you've never even out of my house before. No, you, I haven't. You, you go over to Mental all the time. Yeah, I do. So Amanda Mental can be my number five, I guess. Of Jake. Of Jake. Yeah. Yeah. Commander Daddy's, Commander Daddy's woman thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <his> woman wow. <laughs> Brandon, do you like women? I do. Who's your favorite? Um, my wife, Anna. Okay. She Danny's did not make sitting right t- there, not Danny? Oh, Danny's. You know, no. She's not my favorite. I mean, no. Please, no. Be my wife. <laughs> your wife, okay. Yeah. Who's your second favorite? I've got two daughters, lovely daughters. Yeah, they're nice. Yeah. I have to come up with my top five. Yeah. You got a great uh, mom. i do it. My mom. That's they just need one more. Ah, uh, my grandmother. Your grandmother. There we go. Oh, Jane Austen. She should be in mine. <laughs> She's dead. Do they have to be alive? Sorry, babe. 
<laughs> oh yeah, sorry, Amanda. <laughs> I like you, Vine. You can just all be in the number six spot, like Danny and Amanda, all the cool women. Amanda wasn't even in the running. No, of course she was, Brandon. She's no, in the she number didn't. six spot. Look, I you're like offending all women. sorts of people, Nate. <laughs> no, I'm not. Jake, your top five women. Uh, well, my wife. Okay. My two lovely daughters. That's right. His top three. Your top three. My wife and my two lovely daughters. There we go. Okay, there we go. Danny, top five women. My sweet little girl. Your sweet little girl? You only have one girl? I know, I only one. Weird. Four boys. Four boys. Okay. And uh, my mother and my mother-in-law. Nice. Need two more to fill this? Yeah. She's only given us her top three, too. Top three. There we go. Jane Austen? Could uh, be on there. She could be on there. Well, I've got, I've got, I've got a great sister and three fantastic sisters in law. Oh, so it's just so it's just I got too many one. options. Jennifer Lawrence, <laughs> Lady <No>. Gaga. <laughs> yes, she's got the lady right in her title. She does. I feel like we sang Lady Gaga once on a book eight episode. Did we? Oh yeah, sure. Uh Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, let's talk about the women in Bleak House. Let's Please. do it. This is Please, let's do. The women are in Bleak House. They're there. Mm-hmm. They're Dickens writes about them. We talked about this a little bit in last episode. Sometimes these Victorians are pretty sentimental and treacly and lame, and they write these vapid, insipid, terrible women characters, especially if it's a man that's writing. But sometimes even if it's a chick that's writing, they write these bad women characters and are just not good, and you don't enjoy reading them because you just feel gross. Did Dickens do that? With Bleak House. I think we all agree he did it sometimes. Mm-hmm. He was known, he did it in his career. Would everybody here agree? Dickens did that in his career. Yes. Agreed. Okay. Quite often in David Copperfield. Quite often. That first wife, then how he resolves that storyline. And Agnes is pretty bad too. Esther yeah. gets started that way, in my opinion. Esther I'll starts that way. Say that. Yep. Yeah, so it was interesting. Esther didn't bug me at the beginning because there was one particular conversation that reminded me of a conversation I had with a friend recently. Mm-hmm. And so I had that friend. She was kind of superimposed on top of Esther, mm-hmm. and that made her really relatable. I just thought she was the bad version of Fanny Price when it got started. Huh. And what makes Fanny Price the good version of Fanny Price and Esther the bad version? Because Fanny is pretty, pretty goody two shoes in her way. Yeah, but there's a there's a brokenness to Fanny's. Uh, okay, they're they're both broken and abused, but there's like a. It's like a sentimentalized and glorified kind of like it made her everything that is great thing about it. Weird thing with Esther that just wasn't the same with Fanny. I don't know. Maybe it's just intangible. I don't. I don't know that I can put my <laughs> finger on it. Did you end up well, continuing to think about your friend the whole time? And I think so. So the conversation that did it was oh, what's what's her darling's name? Caddy? No, 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 no. Oh, Candy, whatever. Uh, not Candy, yeah. Charlie? Ada. Ada, Ada. 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Esther said something, to, I, and I wish I should have pulled it up. I should have looked it up earlier. But Esther says something like, and Ada said I was such an encourager, and she had no idea how much she was encouraging me. And that was, I mean, almost the exact words that I have this conversation with my friend who was saying, I just feel like I don't have any gifts. And I said, you're an encourager. And she said, that's so sweet of you. You're so encouraging. <laughs> I was like, no, wait a second. <laughs> that was exactly how it went. And and my friend is actually has an abused background as a broke. And that's it's actually really similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's a real person mm-hmm. who is genuinely that sweet. And she's not without flaws. And I think 
I mean, she's not like a, I mean, she's not Esther to a T. So I think now it was actually nice reading this because Alex was reading it too mm-hmm. around the same time. So we could talk about it some. And he, by the end, when Richard and Ada have gotten married and all that, he was like, I'm just so like, how, how is this still happening? How is everyone still okay with this? He was pretty over it by then. With Richard um, and Ada. Oh, and, and sick of Esther and Jarndyce and everyone who's yeah. like, well, Love's it happened. Love. Yeah. They just love each other. Like She just loves him so much and that's so beautiful. Actually, the, the number one moment in the whole novel where a woman was too, made me want to puke with, was um, not Esther, actually. It was Ada when she mm-hmm. says something to the effect of, even though everything is the most terrible thing ever, I'm still so glad that I married Richard, you know, mm-hmm. like after everything's gone south, she's still so loyal and so. Just like I get that maybe I've known women in real life who end up in bad circumstances and have a good attitude, but that particular moment just felt like a little bit much in context. Yeah, I would say if any of the characters are that sort of woman, it would be Ada mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. book. She's very flat. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I just haven't gotten, I didn't get that far. I got far enough to think that the Esther narrative was easily the best part. The parts that the part that I was always looking forward to getting back to, yeah, I never um, minded Esther actually personally. I liked her. I really think it's just that first chapter for me. Yeah, I didn't mind it. But, I um, I thought that. See, here's the thing: the, what makes the difference is the the perspective that the author is bringing to it, and if they're being sentimental, like there is such a thing as a car- as a person who's just nice and good and suffers and suffers nobly. That does happen in life. When you feel the author saying, uh, yeah, see, see how good they are. It's really annoying. But, but that's it, what Dickens always feels like. With Yeah, he does generally feel like that with a lot of stuff. But Esther in particular just didn't feel, for whatever reason, it did okay. not feel that way to me. Felt that way to me in the first chapter. But that started to, what I almost felt is that often in Esther's narrative, he would forget that he was writing from Esther's perspective. And he would just tell the story the way that he wanted to tell it. That's funny, because I was actually just thinking, I was so impressed by how different the two storytellers' voices were. Very yeah. distinctive. Well, they are different and distinctive, but I don't, I felt like, <laughs> and again, I, I'm still, I probably shouldn't even be commenting on this stuff because I'm so early in the book, but Is Esther it? started to take a very different tone after that, those, for that first chapter or two of Esther's. Well, there's definitely the interesting tension of Dickens wanting to still get his satirical portraits in there and having to put them in the... The Esther narrative. In the in Esther, a way uh-huh. narrative the Esther having... would never say that sarcastic or or make that sardonic well, observation. Right. Like, hmm. he... I think, in a sense, the way he gets around it is that she is a little bit like Fanny Price in the sense that she has discernment. Mm-hmm. And so when she's just writing to herself like this, she can say the things that she would never say out loud. And so yeah, yeah, um, she is very observant. She is... She does have discernment and um, what was I going to say? Oh, it's interesting that through her eyes, with her, he can idealize these people because that's kind of what she does mm-hmm. is yeah. one of her flaws. And I think that as it goes, as the novel progresses, you see that as a flaw that she has. Mm-hmm. And to the point where when she gets the, whatever she gets, she doesn't tell you, but her face is mm-hmm. deformed. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Probably scarlet fever. That's what most people think, or smallpox or something. Mm-hmm. But, but she's interesting because I think so when you see these other characters like in his other novels that are idealized these women it's always through him mm-hmm. Dickens idealizing this person for you right so like um little Emily or little Dorrit or mm. the women in David Copperfield these mm-hmm. characters like that Dickens is the one who's idealizing it's interesting here because it's es- Esther who's idealizing these other people 
Because that's what she does. She right. idealizes everybody to try and soften things. She also idealizes herself and casts herself as a very humble, sweet, self-effacing kind of yeah. a person. And I thought I sensed a certain amount of ironic detachment. Yeah. Like Dickens is actually poking a little fun at her and letting her, you mm -hmm. know, say, oh, I'm so sweet. While she's making these sarcastic observations about other, like I actually felt like she was a little bit more rounded and maybe Dickens was casting a, uh, you know, looking at her askew or whatever a little bit. Yeah, you know, in a way her that statements made her where she's saying that she's humble or where she's talking about how everybody is saying she's humble and useful. And yeah, she stuff. keeps telling you how someone yeah. came up and said all these wonderful things about her and, and how she much just she just couldn't believe she it. She just yeah. couldn't believe it. And yeah, I didn't necessarily take all those things at face value, which is what allowed her to not be annoying. Okay. Yeah, I think there's supposed to be some sarcasm makes sense. and some yeah. roundness there. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't forgive Ada. And that doesn't forgive the Ada and Richard mm -hmm. storyline either. Yeah. I mean, I'm with Alex there. Yeah. Alex just didn't like... I mean, did I didn't feel novel for him. I don't think so. I mean, he's, I mean, he's not quite done yet. But yeah, I didn't feel like it was a flaw so much as just as a, a feature. I guess. I mean, Ada and Richard were intentionally flat and allegorical characters, and I didn't feel like Dickens was cheating. Like they didn't need to be well rounded. Ada was just the devoted well, I, person. I, know, I thought was, Richard was a little more interesting. Yeah, he was. Which so when when they're on the same level, then that he's slightly more interesting. That just makes it more obvious that she's cardboard figure. But is there she a problem no with having a cardboard? Day. I mean, she's a symbol. She's the innocent person that got dashed on his dumb hopes in the chancery suit or whatever. Is that is that a bad thing for Dickens to do? That her, I think the point is that her response is so perfect. Mm. Yeah, it's really yeah. So the, the I, I can see Richard and Ada happening. Right, like that makes sense. What's annoying is how Esther responded and Jarndyce. By then, I was not very charmed by Jarndyce at all. Well, Jarndyce is an interesting point. character. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's talk about him. You want to talk about John? Yeah, let's, we can go wherever the well, conversation leads us. we can start off by saying that um, Nabokov, I think is or Nabokov, however you say his name. Lolita guy. Nabokov. Nabokov. Nab Nabokov. Mm -hmm. um, Smirnov. Mm -hmm. Bless you. Uh, you. Thank you. He says that uh, Jarndus is the most moral character ever written into a novel. Really? Like hmm. one of the most upright, moral. I think that's the quote. I can, I'll, I can look it up to verify that. But yeah. I can see that. Interesting. I mean, one of the most obvious things about Jarndyce can get us started is that the, one of the main themes of this novel is what is real philanthropy versus fake philanthropy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so you have that throughout the whole novel, starting as early as the jelly bees and the ant who took Esther in. Right, you get all her her backstory and her mm -hmm. relation to um, crazy guy. What's his name? Who's fighting the right of way battle with? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, boy, oh, Boythorn. Boythorn. Yeah. Boythorn. Yeah. Um, her relationship to him, the fact that they were gonna, they had a thing, right? Mm -hmm. and uh huh. She, uh, she went so she could take Esther and was in bitterness, and always made Esther feel her bitterness towards her and towards her mother. And so philanthropy and the way that we take care of others is a major part of this novel. And so Jarndus steps in as this person who's completely committed to taking care of others. So much that he's taken advantage of. Right. So that, I mean, that's a brilliant move on Dickens' part to have created the character of Skimple to yeah. be the foil to, I guess foil is my favorite word for this mm -hmm. series. Yeah. You, but, you like to have a favorite word. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like the fact that Jarndyce basically uh, ends his relationship with Skimple redeemed a lot of Jarndyce because yeah. Jarndyce was enabling a lot of people in a bad way that I think I was similarly, you said you were 
over him or something. Yeah. I, I assume that was why, because he was just kind of ended up, his philanthropy was enabling some, to, to use a mm-hmm. dumb word from psychology. Well, I think I wanted him to, I wanted him to step in and do something at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he did tell Rick off pretty strongly a that's number true. of times. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. But Rick never listened to him. Mm-hmm. No, but it was Not enough. until the end. Yeah. <clears throat> and he did offer to marry Esther. Jarndyce did? Oh, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Major plot point. No, I thought you... I thought you were saying what? Like I was wrong. No. <laughs> Sorry, say, am I crazy? <laughs> yeah. Spoilers for Jake. Sorry, Jake. What? Yeah. Jarndyce threatens to marry Esther or offers or whatever. Yeah, no, he, I, I, he, 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 he doesn't just offer. It's like a, a real thing that's happening for yeah, like a for quarter a, of the book. Yeah, a good significant portion of the book. Yeah. I know you're just wanting her to get with Woodcourt instead, mm. though. I know. Alan Woodcourt. Man, There's, that's he's a good character. Alan is? Yeah. Talk about an idealized hero. He's like worse than a Jane Austen hero. He's like a doctor that saves people and But he's got a dark side. Does he? What's he's his kind of movie? Well every every <laughs> right? every idealized wish fulfillment hero needs a dark side. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of danger in yeah. there. A little bit of bad boy. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Well, he's, got go. that, he's got that awful mother. Yeah, he doesn't have a mother. He ends up being not awful. It makes but him that also, much more sympathetic. Uh, and, yeah. And it just sounds like you, Nate. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, every <laughs> every hero needs a dark side. I guess he, he is pretty uh, ideal Austin-ish. I don't know what Dickens did, but I mean, that's what I was going. I was going for that ending. Mm-hmm. He set me up well. Interesting. Maybe you just don't like sentimental. Maybe you're a sexist. Maybe you just don't like sentimentalized <laughs> women. Or you do. Yeah, no. What am I saying? You know what I'm saying. Maybe when women are overly sentimentalized, you're like, ooh, se- gross. And when men are, you're like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, that could be true about women being, I don't know. Well, you know, I, okay, so here's the question. Dickens does write really memorable and interesting and complex villainous women. Mm-hmm. Is he incapable of writing good women or he just doesn't want to? I think it's really hard to write vir- to write virtue. It's way harder to write virtue than it is to write villainy. Yeah, that's true. But then he has, I mean, he has good male characters. Yeah, he does. But it's much closer to home. Okay, yeah. I believe yeah. that. I mean, I think Dickens, I think there is something icky. I mean, what did he, Brandon, he left his, or he was... He was sleeping with a woman that wasn't his wife by the end of his life. Oh, yeah. And it was an actress or something. It was a very idealized, romantic kind of a... So David Copperfield is basically his excuse mm-hmm. for this uh, adultery he was committing. Hmm. And so he married Catherine Hogarth and wasn't very happy with that marriage and then f- found this actress that he fell in love with and And she fit the feminine divorced. ideal that he yeah. kind of worships in these books, right? Yeah. Well, she, yeah, she was beautiful and mm-hmm. she was artistic and mm-hmm. the woman he wished he could have had. Right. And so he gives that to himself in some of these novels. Yeah. That's what makes it feel icky for me. If it's a man or a woman, if it's a woman writing a man or a man writing a woman and it's obviously something that they think that they deserve or they mm-hmm. think that the other sex should be... It doesn't bother them. me when Jane Austen does it with Mr. Knightley or Mr. Darcy, which is interesting. I don't know why. Uh-huh. Maybe because those guys, well, Knightley, not so much, but they both feel pretty real to me. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. Like, Darcy has a, a dark side. Like, he actually, and, and it's not just a sexy dark side. It's a... he's He has real flaws. He has real flaws. Uh-huh. Knightley's pretty perfect, <clears throat> but he's also sardonic and kind of adult, and he just feels like a dude. He just feels real to me. I don't know why. Yeah. Dawson's just really, 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 really good at what she does. I think maybe that's why. Um, well, there are uh, Mrs. Bagnet's a really good character. Yeah, she he he can write women, but mm-hmm. to write a virtuous hero woman, well, 
he can't do that. I don't know. Esther might be the closest he got. I think Esther is. And I, I did like Esther. Yeah, I liked Esther fine. I really didn't. I know what Jake means, and I know I understand why people hit Esther that way, especially with her horrible childhood and the you know evil mother figure that's being all religious. There's a way to do Cinderella. Yeah, I'm not, and and I believe you guys that he pulls it off. Yeah, with Esther, it's just, and you're not alone in saying. I mean, a lot of people don't like Esther. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's a pretty. I knew this was going to be maybe the big topic of conversation about the thing because she's a she's a polarizing character yeah. in the novel i think well it is it's also true that part of dickens style and what he does is he'll <laughs> write various one-dimensional characters that'll that are still really interesting mm-hmm. and fun to watch act on the stage yeah like skimpole he has one trait which is yeah. he's a i mean what, what would you even say he's a worm that he's a leech he's a leech and so he just but he's a well, he's, he's guileless yeah he's, I mean, he's totally straightforward about his leechiness right he's yeah, the he's guy just... that's going to charm you by telling you exactly mm-hmm. but he's he what he's doing he's going to put a dumb yeah. spin on it right the closest parallel we've had to it is the in like anna karenina when everybody was just like with um when that guy comes to visit uh, levin and kitty mm-hmm. and he's hitting on kitty because he wants to be her yeah paramour mm-hmm. and levin gets angry and throws him out and everybody's like what are you doing it's just it's what happens you should be, you should flattered. be flattered yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's the same th- like with this guy, obviously Dickens hated the fact that Victorian culture allowed for certain effete art types to just mm-hmm. float around taking advantage of everyone mm-hmm. while they wrote their so-called poetry. Mm-hmm. And so Skimple is a stand-in for that. Yeah. And so, and a lot of times Dickens' characters will work more on the level of like allegory almost. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Tolkienhorn is a stand, he's... There's not a whole lot of depth to Tolkien Horn, but he mm-hmm. definitely is a good stand-in for the lawyer who's keeping his secrets close to his chest. Mm-hmm. And um, Mr. Crook, he's definitely almost an, uh, what would you say, an allegorical but epic figure. Yeah, he's just a nasty... Hmm. Yeah. You know who, before we abandon the subject of females, this novel does have one actually pretty good portrait of just a normal woman who doesn't have any of the Dickens grotesque sort of eccentricity, but is also just a strong, interesting female. And that's uh-huh. um Caddy. Yeah. She's a <coughs> she's a really good character actually, isn't mm-hmm. she? I like Yeah, her. she has good growth. And... Yeah. Yeah, Caddy actually reminds oh. me of uh, a cu- one of my cousins on my dad's yeah. side of the family. Yeah. And she starts out kind of bitter so. and complaining and then she just like decides, I maybe I won't be like that. And then she Yeah. And it's believable and Yeah, and you really feel she just I don't know. It's like Dickens wasn't hitting on that particular character, and so she was allowed to just be normal. And well, cool. he was sympathetic to her from the start because she's the the product of something he hates yeah. right. with her mother. Yeah. So he ends up giving her something interesting to do. Yeah, and that is what I was going to – I was trying to get to that point mm-hmm. was that um, he'll have all these one-dimensional characters on the stage so that then the a few of the three-dimensional characters can actually – have a little more depth in life to him. Mm-hmm. That's typically the way in most of his novels. David Copperfield is sure. the most three-dimensional character, maybe the only one. David himself, you mean? Yeah, David. Yeah. There are some others maybe that would be in the running, but there are a few more. But Jarndyce is not really that fleshed out of a character. He's got his one thing that he does. It's the wind mm-hmm. med- images mm-hmm. that he uses. And maybe the most fleshed out character would be Esther and some of these other minor characters. Here and there, but Dickens' world is mostly populated by fairly cartoonish. I and mean, that's kind of unfair because, mm-hmm. sure, they have all sorts of qualities. And well, yeah, I think over 800 pages, they get a little extra. Yeah. 
yeah, but there's still something slightly unreal about a lot of them. Mm-hmm. They're exaggerated, oh, yeah. but yeah. like the deadlocks, they're pretty good. They're yeah, they, that's that was my yeah. other thought. Sir okay. Lester is surprisingly sympathetic at the end in a way that you don't quite see coming, while still being a upright, snobby kind of a mm-hmm. guy. And and Mister George is he's supposed to be a I think a relatable character. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Interesting yeah. that he ends up working for Mister Deadlock or Sir Deadlock, whatever you call him, Sir, Sir Lester. Lester. Yeah. Mom gets her wish. Yes, mom gets her wish. Yeah. And I like some of the gross. I like Tolkienhorn is a wonderful character. And uh-huh. he, is, he is just one thing. He is just like, this is what the closed-lipped family butler character is almost the archetype. Just like the guy that knows all the secrets mm-hmm. and sort of holds them over everybody. But every scene he's in is, is dominated by Yeah. Him. He's oh, terrifying. Yeah. I mean, he's like a good villain. I was almost disappointed when he died because you lose such a uh-huh. lively, powerful force yeah in the novel i also um the brick ma- the brick makers wives i think are better than or they, maybe because they just got more time they ended up being more interesting yeah well they're i'm trying to remember their trait was just that they got beat up right well i mean there's that scene where jenny's baby dies mm-hmm. so this is i um a friend a friend that i've gotten to know through instagram mm-hmm. i've never had an online friend before there you go um but she's she's been reading it because she listens to the book name Hey, Hi. shout out to Danny's friend. Hey, hey, Ashton. And so she was, she read that scene and was like, I, this is not real. This the, is the over, overly sympathetic, over, overly sentimental. Uh, sentimental. Yeah. Yeah. Sentimental. And, and so I reread it and rereading it and looking at her friend. I don't know. You have to go back and reread the scene. Probably don't remember it. But um, her friend who comforts her and is with her. In spite and always looking over her shoulder for her husband who's going to beat her, it brought some hum- it brought a lot more humanity mm-hmm. to that. And then contrasted immediately following, or it's right after Mrs. Particle, mm-hmm. who who's another example of that wicked philanthropy. Oh, she's awful. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think why well, why I think of Dickens as a why well, I missed your context, but um, wanting to humanize um, the lower classes, yeah, mm-hmm. and see them as real. He's definitely an SJW, if nothing else. Yeah. It's interesting, by the way, reading a novel. I don't know that I have anything profound to say about this, but it's interesting to read a novel that is so concerned with a social issue that has parallels, yes, but also just in some ways isn't a thing. Like, mm-hmm. we don't have that court system anymore. And so he's like railing against something and you well, feel it and you're like, yeah, we should get rid of the thing, chancery thing uh, that doesn't exist in my country. Well, <laughs> I mean, but we have parallels here. We do. We, we do. We've got yeah. a... We've got a pretty uh, messed up court system ourselves. Our, yeah, our court system, our um, incarceration system mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. pretty messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, such a high, yeah, feeding the system just so that lawyers and other people can get their money and get their payday mm-hmm. out of the system. There's We have plenty of that sort of sure. stuff too. Things don't change that Yeah, much. it's relatable. Yeah. It's not like some of the most interesting stuff is the Chauncey stuff actually in the novel, which is interesting yeah. that it's interesting because why would it be interesting? Why would, yeah. Um, well, just seeing na- how, yeah. yeah. That nasty guy that Richard goes to. What's his name? Oh, Mr. Voles. Yeah, Voles. And mm-hmm. his, yeah. yeah, that's some of the best descriptive stuff. Yeah. That. Yeah, he's not a nice guy, Mr. Voles. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I got a lot of thoughts swirling around. I'm not sure which direction to go. Well, one thing you, to go back to the social justice warrior mm-hmm. stuff with Dickens, one thing you do see in his novels that you don't see in a lot of other Victorian novels of the time. Mm-hmm. They would mostly be concerned with class and the upper, mm-hmm. the upper, the workings of the upper echelon. Mm-hmm. And with Dickens, 
you get these things like um, Tom. Is it Tom All Alone's? Yeah, mm-hmm. Tom's, Tom's. Tom's All Alone. Tom's All Alone. Yeah, mm-hmm. those areas where you get Joe, the chimney sweep, and mm-hmm. these uh, these portions of London that seem real and dingy, mm-hmm. almost hellish. But that's because Dickens actually would mention this in context. He actually would go on these long strolls often at night. Mm. And he would go into these portions of London and we'd go and talk to families. He would just like wander into people's houses and talk to them. And so a lot of this was like just firsthand reporting. Yeah. And yeah. so, and he was very concerned for these issues and he hated, mm. chan- he hated the chancery courts for how they would just consume families and destroy people's lives like this. So the issue of philanthropy for him especially would have just been, he would have hated it. Yeah. Like I think mm-hmm. today he would have hated things like seeing Starbucks claiming that it's say, helping lives in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Right. He'd have been like, what lives are you helping in Guatemala? Right. You're probably helping keep the lives poor. Right. So that you can have Starbucks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He would have been part of these social justice movements, but. Interesting. Well, I, I don't know what this has to do with anything really besides the philanthropy, but the moment that actually made me lock into, oh yeah, I remember this is why I love Dickens was when we met Mrs. Jellyby because uh-huh. it's so nasty. And then it go, it gets so cartoonish with <laughs> a little boy bouncing down the stairs <laughs> and hitting his head seven times yeah. on the way down. And it's just like really over the top, but it's just like, it's funny, it's brutal, but there's real conscience behind it that I yeah. like. Like, I actually like that about Dickens. He seems like a good man for all his faults mm-hmm. when you, when you, I just see the kinds of things that he hated, and I don't know. It's it's well, yeah. He he had his flaws, mm-hmm, yeah. but mm-hmm. he was concerned for the poor. Mm-hmm. Like had it, his father had gone to debtor's prison. Is that right? Yeah, his father was okay. in debtor's prison, and actually, is a sore spot in his childhood because his father had gone to debtor's prison and then got out fairly quickly because of an inheritance. But he still kept Dickens in a canning factory for a while, huh. and so Dickens felt like he had been cheated out of a portion of his education. Huh. And so he did okay for himself. Yeah, he did fine for himself. Yeah, so like a Christmas Carol, a good portion of the proceeds from that went to actual to help with issues of poverty. Mm-hmm. I don't remember mm-hmm. the exact stuff it was helping, but I remember when we did context for that. And so he was very mindful to use his wealth to help. And so, and it's even, and it's also interesting. I mean, these sorts of novels, a, a large part of the power of this would be that people would then care. Mm-hmm. If if you can get them to care about Joe the chimney sweep, mm-hmm. right, and that makes them actually care about the street urchin in a way mm-hmm. that they weren't before. That's part of the power of these sorts of storytelling. Oh yeah, yeah, story, yeah, stories. So is that it will create new metaphors and images for people so that they won't go and kill Tiny Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's good when people don't kill Tiny Tim. Yeah. Well, I, and with right. with Mrs. Jellyby and Mrs. Particle. Mm-hmm which this might not be relatable to most people who read it now, but as a mother with, with a large family, oh, yeah. those were I mean, relatable enough, you know, to it's real. I could see Mrs. Jellyby as any sort of woman now who has all of her grand ambitions and her, and is just totally neglecting her home. Well, she's, yeah, she's um, an Erica Rosebloom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, of an Erica Rosebloom. Yes. That's yeah. yeah, actually, I thought of Mrs. Particle with Erica Rosebloom. Who yes, has the yeah. family all dressed up nicely, and they, yeah. all, they all know the there's right more, words to say. More, yeah, yeah don't the kids um, have to like the kid? The kid was made to give his allowance. Yeah, they they all they, they all the, donate their whole allowance, and oh, yes, they've all si- signed I, the papers more. that they'll never drink. And, Hated, yeah. um, oh, what a terrible woman! Mm-hmm. Yuck. Yeah, um, yeah. So th- I mean, and those are yeah, transcending 
Yeah, I think because they're caricatures, mm-hmm. um, they you can plop them in now and see. Yep, this is this is a real thing. People really like that. Oh yeah, that's part of the universality of his caricatures mm-hmm. is that, like with really well drawn characters like Levin or someone. Since we're already talking about Tolstoy, sure, you can feel. Yeah, I know Levin, and I can feel like Levin. But with a character like uh, Skimple, mm-hmm. you can be like, I know Skimples. Oh sure. Uh-huh. You can be like, oh, I know. Particles. Brandon, I, I can't talk about this at all, but Brandon texted me the name of a skimple that we both kn- kn- know and just hmm. said, Yep. That's a skimple. And I, I said, bet I can yep. guess who it was. I bet you could. Um, I almost said the same person's name out loud when you brought him up earlier. Yep. And um, yeah, and so you know these you know these people, and it's not just like, oh, they're like this person. It's no, they are. They have the essence uh, that is this person in them. Yeah, yeah, and that's because that's what he he had these uh, these broad watercolors mm-hmm. that still somehow had life to them. Like, well, it's so helpful morally to just have these kinds of exaggerated characters in your mind as mental placeholders, yeah. so you can just say, "Yep, this person that I know, sure, they're not as bad as Mrs. Jellyby, but they're a mm-hmm. Jellyby. They're a whatever. Yeah. They're a Turley Drop. They're <clears throat> a- well, and part of the virtue is that if they're exaggerated enough." That you can separate yourself from them while still seeing yourself in them, mm-hmm. it's it makes it easier to swallow the rebuke mm-hmm. for people, you know. Yeah, you don't have to feel like you got nailed to the wall by Mrs. Jellybee because she's absurd. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, but yeah. I'm, I'm not you that see bad. All but, of the ooh. ways that you have your Jellybee tendencies, yeah, and then yeah. you're like, I gotta pull back. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Any um, business before I get to that point, Scrooge, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. I'm not Scrooge, but I see where I could learn some things mm-hmm. from Scrooge. Yeah, and so, yeah, what I'm trying to wrap my head around here, get my thoughts around, is what I really hate. Well, I hate two tendencies in literature. Mm-hmm. One, I hate the whole transcendence, the whole unit, you know, the great conversation, sure, sure, sure. Uh-huh. transcendent themes, and let's just look at the novel for the transcendent. Like, who cares about mm-hmm. the transcendent universality <laughs> themes? Oh, that's so interesting. But who I really hate, because <laughs> I actually like you guys just fine. You just irritate me a little. And then on the other end, we've got the people who think that literature is only, and art is only effective if it's political, mm-hmm. right? And so it's got to be political. And so this is where you have a lot of like the indie art movements and especially the weird modernist stuff that you have. Well, the stuff that would be in the modernist trend mm-hmm. that you will see if you go to an art museum, like just a light on the wall because it's representing the poor and Africa. Right. And you don't get it because you're just not thinking uh-huh. like a, like you should be. Um, like a lot of the – everybody who – in high school or in, as a sophomore, thought that they understood Great Gatsby, yes. <laughs> they become this kind of person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it drives me nuts mm-hmm. because what you see with Dickens and what I think drives them crazy about Dickens is Dickens is not doing this just for political purposes. His primary purpose with Bleak House is to entertain you. Right. Yeah. And it's to tell you a story that moves you, that sometimes maudlin, sentimental ways makes you cry mm-hmm. um, or maybe doesn't make you cry because it's maudlin and sentimental and you're beyond that. But still- his primary goal with the novel is to tell you a story because mm-hmm. he's a storyteller. He wants to move you that way. Mm-hmm. Secondarily are these other things that happen. And there are political things that happen. Oh, sure. I mean, I think that there's the world would be a much different world had Scrooge not existed. Oh, sure. Yeah. Christmas would Indeed. be very different. Uh-huh. A lot of the warmth and happiness and cheer we have around Christmas time about 
families and helping the poor and giving gifts and all this warmth we feel probably has a good bit to do with Dickens. Well, and I'm not a social historian, but I've been thinking this whole time, probably a lot of the way that we think about the poor in general is the heritage of Dickens, just the way that he gave a certain, um, I don't know, sentimental, I guess, way of thinking about them, just thinking about them as human beings who suffer, which you don't actually see in yeah, a lot of so literature. In that way, Steinbeck was just carrying on the work of Dickens. Mm -hmm. And so literature can do that sort of political work. Yeah, it's political work. Sure. If you want to call it politics, go ahead and call it that. Mm -hmm. Morons. But still, <laughs> it's it's just what art will do. It That's part of the work it does. But here's the thing about Dickens. He is always moralist, which is what I like about him. He is not ever, he, he is talking about systemic, I guess what you'd say, issues, but it's because of the avarice of man. It's because of greed. Mm -hmm. It's because of sadism. It's because of brutality. It's because of meanness and coldness. It's because of something that happens in the human heart. It's not because these institutions are just things that sort of exist nebulously by themselves and drive people to be bad. I mean, I know he does hate these institutions, but he he gets at the heart of what makes them bad, which is always people. Huh. And there's always representatives, you know, characters that actually, it's not just the school system that's oppressing somebody. Yeah. It's Mr. Right. Squeers. And it's not just the the church that's oppressing somebody. It's Reverend Chad Ban or, mm -hmm. and it's these people and their desires and their, that's good. their nastiness. Yeah. That, Cause that actually takes me back to something we weren't, I wasn't really articulating very well, Flannery O'Connor. Mm -hmm. She's similar to this in that she's always talking directly about people <laughs> mm -hmm. and her parallel would have been um, Graham Greene. Mm -hmm. And he was always about the system, man, the system's keeping you down. Right. That's what makes so much of modernist and postmodernist stuff boring and the overly political stuff that you're talking about is it's not actually about people. It's just about like the American capitalist system. And it's like, what is that? Yeah. If it's bad, it's because there's a bunch of greedy people taking advantage of other people. Let's put some yeah. flesh and blood in, on this. That's why I've never actually thought 1984 was a very successful book or have cared much for it. Hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's kind, kind of, of flat for me. Yeah. Minus the sex, which is what I think kids yeah. actually like. I don't know. Yeah, and a lot of dystopian books like that just are flat to me. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of, it's because it misses these sort of, like you were saying, the moralism. Dickens, Austin, these characters, these guys are not afraid to be moralists because they know that life, in essence, is moral mm -hmm. and driven by actions that people actually take mm -hmm. as opposed to being forced to take them by the system. Yeah, it's not philanthropy that's bad. It's Mrs. Jellybee's that's yeah. right. bad. And it doesn't mean the system's not there. I mean, he sees the system. Oh, sure, yeah. And he, he had the it. machinery of chancery, and it's awful. Mm -hmm. But it's still everybody's relation to chancery. And you see that it's perpetuated by the Mr. Bol Voles and the yeah. um, Kenjin Carboyles and the mm -hmm. Lord Chancellors and the... And, and Richard. And Richard and the Richards, you know. Who are taken advantage of by it and Jarndyces who have the least part part wisdom to just stay away from it and not assume anything good's going to come out of it. Yeah. I don't know how to dif differentiate that exactly from the novels that blame it on the system and don't really believe in human depravity, but it's different. I don't know what it is that Dickens does exactly. Well, so I think it's where the blame mm -hmm. ends up landing. Dickens sees the monster is going to exist. It's like Mordor. Mm -hmm. Mordor's there. You can't get rid of Mordor. Mm -hmm. What matters is the way that each person responds to Mordor. All we have to do is 
yeah. with with the time that's been given to us. I've said this, yeah. try to say that quote twice. <laughs> but that's <laughs> that. I mean, that in time. essence is the difference. Mm-hmm. It places blame on, and it places the agency in the person mm-hmm. as opposed to the agency being somehow twisted and like it's all intertwined. Mm-hmm. And that's where it becomes interesting is like seeing how the system is actually producing actors and mm. vice versa. All this crud that you hear when you have to do graduate school. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, I'm going to ask the most lame high school essay question that's ever been asked. Go ahead. Why does Dickens use two different narrative devices to tell this story? I don't know. Oh. Because <laughs> he was a genius? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Danny, your thoughts? Ditto. Um... It's just, it's interesting. Why not just tell it all through Esther? I always perk up when Esther shows up. Yeah, but you, but you, you need some, you need, you know. Yeah. Oh, man, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get to know all those other characters. Esther has no insight into, well, I don't know. But neither did Nicholas Nickleby, neither did, you know, there's lots of first person novels that contrive ways to bring lots of action into the yeah, stage. Yeah, maybe this gets into Dickens's SJW-ness, but you wouldn't know anything about Chancery yeah, if Esther true. were narrating. Well, you'd have Mr. Um, Jarndyce have a bunch of monologues and stories. And, yeah. You'd have Esther be in the room sewing while a lawyer comes over and talks to... Blurg. That sounds boring. <laughs> Would it be as boring as just having the narrator do it? Is this Dickens' only novel that has a first uh, present tense, by the way, Brandon? I was trying to think if he had anything else that was written in the present tense. Tale of Two Cities. Yeah, Tale of Two Cities. Is it? Oh, present tense. Yeah. I thought you were saying third person. No. No, I'm sorry. Sorry. Is it? (laughs) What? Pretty sure you're right. Yeah, I mean, that's... (laughs) How dare you, sir? (laughs) No, and that is part of the weird... Yeah. weirdness of this have we have, it was the best what, of times we hadn't talked was, about this that's totally present tense yeah it yeah. was it's past tense <laughs> yeah Jay. he's making fun of me oh um yeah no i think it's not working very well no i'm pretty sure this would this is one of the only jake i'd like to apologize you did some really obvious sarcasm and i was like uh oh, well obviously <laughs> that's not true jake <laughs> i want to accept your apology <laughs> I mean, it's not common for a novel to be in the present tense. What other novels have you read in your life that are in present tense? Brandon Chastain, PhD, ABD? Top of my head? (laughs) Yes. Speaking to the microphone. (laughs) You should talk into the microphone a little bit more, probably. Off the top of my head? (laughs) I'm going to have to think this through, Nathan. Is As I Lay Dying? I was thinking maybe Faulkner. Yeah. Yeah. We've definitely not done anything else on the bookening, have we, Jake? I assume. Um... Not remembering. Danny, you ever read anything first or first person? <laughs> you ever read anything first person? <laughs> you ever read any words before? Um, what's <laughs> apparently? Um, it's not a very common. It's more of a modernist thing. Sure, I think it's funny. Now that you say that, I didn't even notice that the book was written like that. Really? If you, that... I mean, if you had asked me, I would have said, "No, that's silly." It is though. You would yeah, I, I just looked. Yeah, it's, I mean, what it does is it gives it a very theatrical, like it's happening on stage. In front yeah, of you. right. Now like you're almost walking such and down. Such is coming onto stage, and yeah, you're Handmaid's Tale is present tense. Ah, there we go. Yeah. Oh, so you miss a lot of the, what people say when they look at the style and the structure of this novel. Is it is a very modern mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. creature. It's a very modern novel. A very modern thinking creature. Very model thinking creature. I'm a very model. Th- I am the very model of a thinking creature. 
Novel, novel man. Novel man. <laughs> I am the very model of a modern thinking, thinking novel man. man. There's a t-shirt. There's a t-shirt. I am the very model of a modern thinking Looking model man. Looking at a list of popular present tense books on Goodreads. They're all, right. all very modern. When Dickens wrote me, he had a very mighty this awesome plan. <laughs> but but there's nothing actually worth editing. saying apart from... Uh, John Updike, Rabbit Run. Is Rabbit Run? Run Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I've not read Rabbit Run. <laughs> All of the, the Mockingjay or uh, Hunger Mock. Games books. Oh, oh yeah. man. There we go. Jay. That's right. Well, it's a weird style, and it's, it's stri- I mean, it strikes you immediately that something different is going on with the, the narrative style in this book. You know, I've read a lot of pot um, boilers, like modern, you know, like Jack Reacher kind of stuff. Maybe not Jack Reacher specifically, but things like that, Tom Clancy, whatever, Stephen King, I don't know, where they'll have a little chunk. Like mm-hmm. the yes. prologue will be like, you know, the girl gets her dragon tattoo and then she does awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. And it'll sort of be setting the stage very theatrically, but then it'll just go into normal yeah. past tense. I can't, I can't, well, I think yeah. one of you just said it's very theatrical and that's, it reminded me of just reading a, or now, yeah, now that you say that, reading a script. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone enters from stage left. The lady sits, talking to her and lurks. All those yeah. things. Mm-hmm. It is very visual. Well, yeah, I think about how um, how many times in this novel I felt I felt like I was actually there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like when they're in the room looking at Nemo's body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty creepy. Little yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, you feel like you're there with Tolkienhorn, mm-hmm. watching and waiting for the Doctor to show mm-hmm. up. And mm-hmm. It does give it. A, I mean, it gives it. Feels like it's present. Feels very present mm-hmm. because it is very present. present. <laughs> but yeah, well, I'm imagining reading that around the fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Having just gotten it in the magazine, yeah, or the whatever, <clears throat> just how on the edge of your seat everyone would be, or is it there? Yeah, and so there's the immediacy that it gives you. Then also, it allows for you to feel like it's a break when Esther's telling her narrative in a more traditional style. It also mm-hmm. makes it a relief to me, at least. It's like okay, we can settle down, we can enjoy ourselves. Yeah, yeah there is an intensity to it as well. Mm-hmm. Those the scenes where he's telling the story in present tense are usually pretty. Yeah. Intense. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. I, I wonder if that makes, if it makes Chancery realer too. If I'd been reading it and Chancery was this place where they did this thing and it would just feel so not relatable. You know what's weird is when, when someone jumps between the two narratives, like a character that you mostly, like Richard, you mostly uh-huh. know him through Esther and then suddenly he's on stage with that present tense narrator. It's kind of like, oh, you should hide like this present tense narrator guy's really theatrical and sarcastic. Maybe go back to Esther's narrative, <laughs> yeah. dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, when, yeah, when they step out of the different worlds. Well, and also mm. when Lady Deadlock shows up in Esther's narrative, it's just, it's like they're crossing a boundary. That's yeah. interesting. Um, it's like a different lens almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're seeing them in a different way. It's, it's, well, it does allow then, and I think it probably, one, th- so one thing it does definitely do is it adds. More, I think it adds some depth to Esther's character mm-hmm. in the sense that we have the narrator who's in the present tense and he is very sarcastic and he's very aware and urbane and all these mm-hmm. things. And then you have Esther on the other end, compared to him, you see a lot of things about Esther yeah, because you're carrying over some of that into her narrative as well. How much of what the narrator knows does Esther- Yeah, she mm-hmm. doesn't know. And also what would he be saying about Esther mm-hmm. if she was a character in his- Oh, that would right. be cool. And that never happens, right? Esther never shows up. I was up. just wondering that. I don't think he does. No, she doesn't, but it would be interesting, right? 
And so I think that even subconsciously that kind of draws over to there yeah. and helps you see Esther in the right light. <clears throat> but also I think another thing it allows Dickens to do is tell you and flesh out this world for you in a way that's not cheesy in the sense mm-hmm. that he has to think of all these different manipulations and deus ex machinas to make Esther know everything she would need to know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hate first person novels a lot of the yeah. time for that reason because it's like, well, everything interesting happened to this guy and he just- Yeah, I mean, that's why the first person yeah. novels, the best first person novels are like the postmodern novels with like Ishiguro or someone mm-hmm. because first person works best when the first person doesn't know everything. Yeah. First person novels work well for detective things, I think, like Raymond Chandler. <sighs> Danny, you're not a big Raymond Chandler fan. I didn't, I didn't love him. Well, Isiguro. Isiguro. Brandon, I have a question. Yeah. Do you know, so I, I love how at the end that he has pulled in all these characters interlocking and even th- how, how designed was it from the start? Do you know? Dickens was a very uh, plot oriented. So he had planned, I mean, you know, I mean, it took over a year to, Publish yeah, it. Back. 992. Here you go. So here you, so like this, he would have it all sketched out and written out. Oh, neat. And so, yeah, he was, he was like Rowling. He was very careful with his plots. He knew where he wanted things to go. He knew when he wanted things to happen, the rhythm of the plot as it mm-hmm. was developing, why he would show you this character here as opposed to here. Mm-hmm. So he knew how he was kind of leading you on mm-hmm. to the final reveals and how everything then would come together in the fi- final chapters. That's yeah. great. He was a genius at it. Yeah. And he understood the value of something that people are rediscovering with peak TV and Breaking Bad and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Delayed gratification. <clears throat> really, I, I actually, I want to say I sympathize with Jake a lot. There were parts that I skimmed just like, especially when it, we got away from Esther and into that sarcastic narrator. It's just like. Yeah, I would too. I love him in my head. Like yeah. everything you're saying is like, that's what I love. <laughs> right. More yeah. than anything. Yeah. Right. Well, and we're going to read some Dickens that you're going to like uh, before the book I'm going to read this and like it yeah, eventually. No, I, I think you will. It's great. But it does take a long time to get... It It, it, it reminds me of like uh, Mad Men or Breaking Bad or something like that where you really are sitting through some boring yeah. legwork. And then, but then when the payoffs come, they're that much more they powerful really precisely off. because you've had to wait for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, true. listen to this. This is just really interesting seeing his notes. Mm-hmm. He would name it Stop Him, Tom All Alone's Night and Morning. He would set the scene. Alan, Jenny, Joe. Joe tells that he was taken away by Mr. Bucket. Mr. Tolkinghorn to be shot. Pointing Roman. George to be taken by Bucket. Yes. Joe. Yes. Kill him. Alan and Richard. <laughs> not Richard. Mr. Guppy. No. Smallweeds. No. So he would like have these things planned out to know which characters were going to come on stage and all this stuff. It's really fascinating. Oh, which oh, characters wow. were definitely yeah. not supposed to come on yeah. stage. Uh, not you imagine guy. Rowling probably worked very similarly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can see that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, I can see why she loves him so much. Mm-hmm. And so even in I his think early- she probably worked very similarly with each book. Yeah. But I think that she also is a, a really frugal chef who- Yeah. Would go <laughs> back and, you know- In different time. How can I use this thing? Yeah. What what yeah. are the- what are the random things that I put in here that I can make use of and make mean something more than it yeah. or, that I originally meant it to? I think she's she really always, good at that. And she had payoff like from one novel than five novels later. She also had a word processor. You ever thought about how much harder it is oh, for yeah. somebody like Dickens to Man. just like write this stuff yeah. longhand, I'm guessing? I mean... And it's fascinating though. To well, you would have to be that much all. more careful in plot... Yeah. In planning it out. Oh, sure. And that's why I mean, so this is broken down. This is before he would, he would know how each serial would end. He knew what would happen in each serial. And then he would change it a bit as he would write. But still, it's fascinating to see that he had this big plan already worked out. 
Yeah. And this is pretty much how he worked from Oliver Twist on. Mm-hmm. Because Oliver Twist is very plotted as well. Yeah. Because a lot of, if you think about it, a lot of the stuff that happens in Oliver Twist pays off in the final oh, chapters. Oh, yeah. Even if it is kind of bad payoff. But. Oliver Twist is a good story. I don't know why the novel itself doesn't do it for me. Do you like Oliver Twist? Yeah. Well, not in. I think the writing is kind of clotted. Yeah. And that one character, what's his name? The M, the bad guy. Sykes? Or not Bill Sykes. Uh, the Fagan. Fagan? No, the one that's been playing with Oliver's past. Oh. You know that one? Yeah. Um, it's a minor, people forget him, but he's like supposed to be this big twist at the end. Yeah. And it just never weird. does work for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Sykes and Fagan storyline is great. Yeah. It's almost, that's, that's the storyline that- It's kind of the heart of the- Yeah, that's the storyline that everybody remembers, but when you actually read the novel, there's this other weird primary storyline with how Oliver became, and why then Oliver can become- Oh, yeah, that stuff's really weird. Remember who I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad stuff. <laughs> it is pretty bad stuff. And everybody forgets it. And it's it gets always it's always cut out in the movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm gonna ask Schmoop's questions because I like to ask Schmoop's questions. And sometimes I think bad questions can lead to good answers, which is a good reason to ask these questions. Monks. Number one. The mysterious man monks. Monks, yeah. Okay. This is the other question begins. Okay, you're the hotshot behind this novel's marketing, and you're thinking of the future. Which character or plot thread would get its own spinoff? Oh my goodness, <laughs> Mr. Guppy. Like, Mr. Guppy gets his own spinoff. Oh no, Prince, Prince and Caddy Turvy Drop, and their this their little, dance academy, their dance academy with dancing all the, with the Turvy Drop, <laughs> dancing with the Turvy Drops. I was going to think Mr. Guppy and that other friend of his who ends up moving up, and they find the um, oh yeah, what's his name. Mr. Um, Lippet or something. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, Mr. Lippet. <laughs> yeah. It would be fun to have them like Mr. be a weird X Files sort of figures where they just wander <laughs> London together and fish. come upon these weird, <laughs> yep, supernatural things that are happening. He's a fish that turns into Don Knotts. Yeah, turn into That's a fish. Right. Yeah, Don Knotts should be in more Dickens. Pepperoni Knotts. Yep. Whew. I've heard those are pretty good. Job Jobling. 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 Yeah, but Not he has another Weevil. name. He's Weevil. got he's got two names. Weevil. Yeah. Weevil. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I think we all have to answer this question. Kenjin Carboyle is the coolest sounding. Um, carb, carb, something. Carboys, Kenjin Carboys, yes, Kenjin Carbuncles. <laughs> I'd watch, a, I'd watch a Mr. Jarndyce prequel. Maybe I like Mr. Jarndyce a lot. I don't know. I, there's a lot of good spinoffs you could do. Mm. Brennan, what's your spinoff? I said, I said it already. Guppy and Jobling. Guppy and Jobling. Okay, and they solve <laughs> I mysteries. Think, I mean, I think it'd be fun to watch them just go around London and get into these weird situations where you find out. That, would, would little small weed be there yeah. too? Say what? Little small weed. Yeah, little small oh. weed can be in there as well. And it all has to do with like some Illuminati plot mm-hmm. with the queen that these weird things are happening and they've got to go around London now sure, that they've sure, seen the yeah. spontaneous combustion. Get a little steam. They're in too there. deep now. Yeah. And yeah, Love it'd be it. awesome. Yeah. Ends on a blimp. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yep. Big fight with Thursday. His head gets real big and bounces oh. down the road. Boo. Boo. <laughs> Boo to the man who was Thursday. Talk are about we, a bad Victorian novel. Are we ever going to do Chesterton? Yeah, we will. And we will. Make sure he stays dead. Well, what's awful about that book is it's up so until, good up until that last yeah. chapter, and then he just loses me. Yuck, Danny, have you read the man like, who's Thursday? I have not. No I started it once and then I, I didn't. Finish oh, it. almost as bad as what happened. Well, maybe worse. Nah, it's not as bad as what happens until we have faces because it's not. I knew you were going there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah until we have faces is like arguably a lot more blasphemous and terrible and mystical and weird. Blasphemous, yeah, yeah. Ben, who I, we had Thursday, may I just say again, boo. He just slaps you in the face. Boo. He loves to do that with his novels. Capital B, capital O, capital O. Boo. Boo. A couple of exclamation points. Danny, your spinoff. 
please. Uh, the Dance Academy. Oh, yeah. yeah with yeah. all those little, you know, they were gathering all those little uh, apprentices. You'd have to put off with old Mr. Turvy Drop, though. That's too bad. But he did have that endearing uh, relationship with Mr. Jellyby, where they like kind of bonded. Yeah, that's true. That was true. And Mr. Jellyby finally had something to do besides bang sounds his head like against a, the wall. Sounds like a downtown Abbey. Yeah. Jake, your spinoff? Jellybee's Jellies. It's a British baking show where you have to make really complex confections, confectionary confections. Pro- yeah, confections. You, 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 you for Mrs. Jellybee to send to Africa. Proceeds. Proceeds go to proceeds go to the pygmies Bo- in Africa. Boreo Bugala. Boreo Bugala. Where was called? Okay. I like this. <laughs> all right. Good. We're gonna make <laughs> They're all getting green lit. Uh mine would be just called Tulking Horn, I think. And it oh, would just be good like idea. awesome. See all the secrets he knows. Yeah, and, we yeah. just like he visits a rich family and exposes their secrets and destroys them. And he's just like it's a, like a bad guy show. I like shows about bad guys. Um, be like Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, it'd be like Boardwalk Empire. I love that kind of stuff. As anyone nice. that listens to Sound of Sanity knows, <laughs> I like stories about bad guys. Yeah. All right, there you go. That's Question good. number two. One of Dickens' tricks for making sure readers recognize and remember each character is to give. Each of them, some verbal or physical tick. Smallwood needs to be pumped like a pillow. Badger is obsessed with his wife's previous husbands. Baguette doesn't raise <laughs> his wife to her face because discipline what? must be maintained. That's his quirk. Yeah, his quirk is he's, <laughs> he's a guy who's obsessed with the fact that his wife's had a lot of lovers. He's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of intimidated by that fact. Right. It's Isn't just, that quirky? It's, just, it's just one of those crazy characters. Uh, <laughs> uh, Vols talks in a whisper. Phil walks with one shoulder against the wall of the room. Switch around some of these ticks and what happens to these characters. So let's pretend like Esther Skip. is obsessed with her Skip. wife's previous husbands. Skip. What happens? All right, that Skip. question sucks. They become different characters. Thank you, Schmoop. <laughs> <laughs> I keep using Schmoop because I think it's fun, but I don't know what it is. Maybe it's for like little kids or something. I don't oh, know. Oh, it's you know, it's trying to be something cool. I mean, it's def- yeah, it's definitely supposed to be Wait, fun. Little kids don't read Bleak House. <laughs> this well, is for like high school students <laughs> or for college students, unfortunately. And I guarantee you, you have bad adjunct professors who don't want to do their job that pull up Schmoop and try to use these as ways to get their students to talk because they don't have any reason to be a teacher. Okay. Well, that's as good incentive as we've ever needed to <laughs> ask question number three. Um, and yes, that is a calling out quite a few of my fellow grad students. <laughs> Brandon's throwing shade today. I love it. The third person narrator almost, tends to take a tone of jaded cynicism. What? What's, What's up? What? Huh? Say that again. The third person narrator tends to take a tone of jaded cynicism while uh-huh. Esther narrates with a kind of intelligent curiosity. Mm. Find passages, boo. We're not going to find any passages. <laughs> curiosity. Yeah. Do they read this book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's pretty intelligent and curious. She so. is. Uh, would, that, would that be the... Defi- defi- come up with two adjectives to define the way that she narrates. Intelligent curiosity? No. Okay. I don't you. think that would be it. Point proven. Move on. <laughs> Danny, come up with two adjectives oh. to define the way that Esther narrates. I guess too late for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, fair enough. Imagine replacing Esther as the first person narrator. Who else's voice would be interesting to hear tell the story? One of the good characters? One of the bad guys? Skimple. Are these characters that just wouldn't be able to be narrators because they are too self-centered, too dumb to explain what's happening, or for some other reason? Well, I mean, it would have to be somebody who's at the heart of the story, so (laughs) you get her or you get Ada. Preferably not someone like 
Joe, who doesn't understand anything that's going on. Watch this pentang here. <laughs> Can I eat it? <laughs> I always wanted to know the Lord's Prayer. Would you say it to, Would me, you say sir? It to me, sir? Good, sir. Which character, this is the last schmoop question, which character could easily live in our times with just a change of clothes? Who is least suited to life today? Why? Hmm. <laughs> well, s- Skimple. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already established we know a Skimple, so they can live. It doesn't mean he's well suited to life. No, true. Well, neither was Mr. Skimple, you could argue. Um, right. Which is why he translates. True. Uh-huh. Um... Why am I giving this serious thought? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Crook could not live in our times because he spontaneously combusted. I mean, I actually, oh, I was thinking, I think, I think Richard is a, the, all that stuff. There was a whole section about how he was ruined by his schooling, mm-hmm. that he had all these things that could have become virtues. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like his Latin phrases. Yeah, and... that all he learned were just Latin phrases. Mm-hmm. And instead, he wasn't taught to like figure out what he was good at. Mm hmm. And what he should do with his life. Yes. And as working in college ministry, he'd say, we see guys like that. Who, yeah, you see those guys all the time. Yeah, who have no idea what they're suited for, kind of maybe would like to do kind of anything. I mean, Dickens, part of it, I think, is schooling, mm-hmm. and which I think is legitimately now, too. Oh, yeah. Um, you need to pass your you know, pass your common core stuff, and mm-hmm. that's what matters. And we're not really sure what you're good at, but maybe you find that out in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wait, go to grad school. We'll see if you find out there. You got a bunch of debt now, though. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like pouring money into the chancery suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. So Modern just, education. This is probably, deep stuff. Dude. This is deep stuff. Thanks. Yeah. People just got their money's worth right there. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Hey, um, that was good. Yeah. No, that was good. Mister, your answer's good too. Crook wouldn't because we don't spontaneously combust anymore. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> or do we? Or do we? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so ended Brandon's tenure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the oily residue. If Danny said, or do we, and then you blew up, I would have to assume that Danny was had telekinetic powers and- <laughs> Just killed me? Killed you, yeah. I mean- Or this uh, trigger in my hand. <laughs> um, I don't like it when people spontaneously combust. Yeah, I had a book gross. growing up. Think about the of, cleanup. Um, what? Think about the cleanup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a book of- mysterious it was like mysterious wonders of the world it was like a book with ufos and loch ness and it had all these photographs and stuff of all that stuff but there was a picture there's a very famous picture of an old lady that spontaneously combusted i don't know why it's making me laugh (laughs) because it's funny (laughs) i just remember there's this photograph of the charred remains of an old lady yeah no it's just like it's hilarious it's this this, this giant pile of charred remains and then there's just a leg sticking out of it and did it say "Mm, crispy (laughs) no it didn't say "Mm, crispy (laughs) how dare you sorry this lady spontaneously combusted and all you can do is laugh oh man i'm an awful person (laughs) I mean, I had my grandfather. Your grandfather's basically <laughs> combusted. No, he uh, at one point in his life he was a pastor of mm-hmm. a Southern Baptist church. He had all these weird books, and I remember getting a hold of one one about a cult. Uh, cults. One one about an occult. One about cults. Mm-hmm. But I remember being horrified by this book because I what's it's not it's Christian scientists. They claimed in this book that those who are really in the know in Christian science could put curses on people. Mm-hmm. That there was this person who tried to get out of Christian science, and he died by continually shedding his skin like a snake over and over again. It was a horrible image that I remember. It was like he would, almost like he would like belch it out, mm-hmm. belch himself out of his own skin. 
I hate it when that happens. Yeah. That's and that's how he disturbing. died. <laughs> <laughs> it just kept happening over and over again until he died. Oh. And no. that was part of the curse of trying to leave the sci- Christian scientists. And ever since then, I've hated anything occult. <laughs> Listen, if anyone's <laughs> listening to this and they're in Christian science, do not leave. <laughs> you don't want to belt your, you know, yourself out. The thing is to stay in Christian yeah, science. I mean, you're not a snake. Yeah. You are a Christian scientist. You won't survive. What are we talking about? Mr. Bucket was cool. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. he a great detective? Yeah, what a great character. We haven't gotten to him yet. That this book really needs longer than a month. So where would Mr. Yeah. Bucket rank in your top detectives? I really liked him. He's my yeah. favorite kind of detective. I love the Columbo. Yeah. I love the guy. I, my favorite kind of character in a book. My favorite kind of hero. My favorite kind of detective in particular is someone that's really unassuming yeah. and genial and cool. Like Gandalf the Grey is so much cooler than Gandalf the White. Gandalf the Grey is yeah. not genial, but he's... He just looks like an old man, and all the hobbits don't take him seriously. He's just, Everybody, he's just some dude, but he has immense power. Yeah. I love that kind of a hero. So the fact well, that Mr. Bucket's just like, hey, buddy, and then- But he's all he's I, figuring it out. Yeah. I also liked that even like as we're reading, you know, he took away Joe, and I'm wondering, okay, well, I know Brandon loves Mr. Bucket. I know he's a really good guy. Like, what on earth is going on? Mm-hmm. But I think if I didn't know that, I'd think, hey, Mr. Bucket, what's he doing? Right. I even like that in the story that he's not just your. Uh, I, I like that he's kind of a side character that you get to wonder about. And he's yeah. eccentric, of, but he also gets to take charge at the end and figure everything out and resolve the story. And he has a yeah. very classic de- ending of a classic Agatha Christie style detective story where he brings all the suspects in, and yeah. it's really drawing room kind of detective one. Yeah, and he pulls yeah. out the you know the paper and the from the wastebasket and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I, really great. I may have said in an earlier episode of the book ending that he might be my favorite you detective. Did? Yeah, you I think did. you did. And I think that he still remains probably my favorite. He's detective. really fun. He's a good character. And yeah. Mrs. Bucket's fun and everything about it's fun. Yeah. So uh, I think he might still be my favorite detective. I mean, I just I just even like the scene like where he shows up at the What's Their Faces and they all decide that they're going to invite him back every the year. Just like yeah. The Bagnets. Yeah. On her birthday well, the every year. The Bagnets because... love him so much. Yeah. 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 And he's there to And they're so lovable. Mr. George. Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah, because George. And they leave and he arrests them, but he does it in a really chill way. It's very word. chill. Yeah. yeah. Hecka chill. Um, no, it is fun watching Dickens put in all the classic elements of a great detective story here before they were really. It's like just yeah. on Dickens is like, I'm having a good day. I'll just offhandedly create a trope and stuff yeah. it in. Like, <laughs> Dickens is like, hey, look at me. Here yeah. I am creating the detective story. Yep. Yeah. Because you got it all. You got the innocent, the guy who you love. That you know has to be innocent, but you still maybe think he did it with mm-hmm. George. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right? Then you have the person who really ends up doing it. You're not really expecting. Well, Lady Deadlock is even much. somebody that you don't particularly like, but you also really don't want her to have done and it. Right. Think, yeah. Even though you think maybe she did, but how but could that she doesn't seem quite been? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it ends up being asked there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. Right. <laughs> it was actually Charles Dickens. He wrote himself into the yeah. novel. He kills Tolkien. Yeah, it's really meta. Tolkien Horn belches himself out of his own skin. <laughs> right. <laughs> he yeah. tried to leave Christian science. Yeah, you, yeah, I told you, do not do that. If there's one moral of the Bleak House, it's do not leave Christian science. Well, this is going to be a really long episode, but does anybody have, did you have anything else you wanted to say about Bleak House, Danny? I don't think so. I did really like it. Oh, I'm, glad yeah, that I, I'm glad that I invited myself on so I forced myself to read it. Well, I'm going to ask you that in a more official capacity and cut out the thing we just said. <laughs> So, guys, Bleak House. Jake, I'll ask you. Do you give Bleak House the coveted BSOA? I'm unqualified to say. You're jacuzzing yourself? <laughs> yes, he is. 
J'accuse. <laughs> I'm recusing myself. J'accuse. I like to say J'accuse. What does J'accuse mean? J'accuse is a thing, isn't I it? I think it means I accuse. I accuse. Maybe. En français. Yeah. J'accuse. Yeah, it does. I almost thought you were making a play on the name Jake, though. That's oh, what yeah. I thought. Yeah. I thought that's what you were doing. Yeah, that's what I was doing. <laughs> Brandon. Hey, did you like the novel or you, do you need to bacuse yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nathan, that doesn't work. Um, no, I, yeah, this gets the coveted booking seal of approval for me. Yeah, uh, does it hold up? I mean, this yeah, is like one, it your, up. this is one of your books, man. This yeah, is one this of your jams. Yeah. So holds up. Well, I've told you this. I don't think I've said it on the booking yet. Mm. I see after reading Bleak House again, I see why it's considered to be probably Dickens' best novel. Mm-hmm. It's so wonderfully crafted and characters are amazing. It's not my favorite Dickens novel. No. And we probably shouldn't have started with yeah. it for poor Jake's sake. There yeah. probably was a better. I think it is point. his best, but my favorite is David Copperfield. Old DC. Danny, same question. I give it the seal of approval. The booking seal of approval? The yeah. coveted? The coveted. Mm-hmm. The one you, and only. Was, what is, how does this book rank? Is this like a really, really good book or just a nice time waster kind of a book? <laughs> or like, I mean, where would you put this in the pantheon of books that Danny's read? I think it's it's really, really good. I'm glad I read it. I'm glad I invited myself on so yeah. that I had to read it because yeah. I wouldn't have finished it otherwise. But it makes me want to go read more shorter Dickens. Yeah. Yes. As far as being one of the most interesting books you can read, it's way up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, it does make me sad that I can't just recommend it to people because, oh, hey, by the way, it's 800 pages long. <laughs> it will take you the rest of this year to read. Right. <laughs> right. And next year. It is really long. And there will be parts where you're like, this is really boring. Mm-hmm. But, hey, it's for horses. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked it. I I will admit to being very sympathetic to everything that our friend Jake said. I did find that a lot, especially when we got away from Esther's narrative, I did find that it could get a little dry. But man, payoffs when they come are good. And he is a tremendous craftsman and a tremendous writer. And yeah. Charles Dickens, what do you want from me? This uh, was actually the, f- so I only read a couple other things by him. And this is where I finally got to see his humor because Tale of Two Cities is not very funny. No, Tale of Two Cities isn't funny. No. So I that was really fun to yeah. actually see like, yeah, this guy was hilarious. And to realize that it was fun. Yeah. Not just smart, also funny. Yeah. Not just smart, also funny. Maybe we should put that on our t-shirts. <laughs> That's actually not bad. Not, not just smart, smart, but funny. Also so funny. funny. There we go. Terrifyingly right. That was an option, right? Oh, I forgot about terrifyingly right. Prosaic matrimony is the erotic necessity that keeps us from giving in to the modernist machine or whatever that quote was. Still my favorite, I think, but. <laughs> might not be a t-shirt quote. I think it might be. Oh, shoot, guys. Donor shout outs. Yep. Just shout them out, Nathan. No, you guys have to help. I'm sorry. <sighs> Brennan, you are going to tell Danny how to do it. Oh. Right. Mighty, mighty Mason. As a Brit. Mighty, mighty Mason. And Jake, you are going to give a rating to how Danny did it from one to four stars. <coughs> Two stars. Wow. Can I just, can I just choose I different ethnicities to. to make this really a... You can do whatever you want. <laughs> uh, well, within <laughs> moral reason. Um, well, thank you. The, inscru- <laughs> the inscrutable... The inscrutable Chelsea. As no, no, Aussie. that's not her name, is it? The immortal, the immortal Chelsea E. As an Aussie. The Im- that's not Street. a nice. Immortal, immortal Chelsea E. Uh, Nathan, not me? Oh, Jake has He's to supposed it. to rate it. Sorry. Sorry. Two stars. This wow. is going to take forever. I hope Danny gets a three star or four star. 
Jake's um, very harsh. Yeah. No, he's he's legit. It's what makes him amazing. Yeah, he's legit. <laughs> he's legit. Is that a harsh Jeff? <laughs> he's too legit to quit. He's too legit to quit. Too if he was legit. any less legit, he'd probably quit. Yeah, but he can't because he's too legit. Yeah, too legitimate to quit a minute. Yeah, if uh, he was any less, he'd probably quit. Yeah. But he's... <laughs> Wow. Too legit to quit. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Beam and little Annie Oakley. I mean, obviously, as a Texan. Jimmy Beam and little Annie Oakley. Three and a half stars. Wow. Whoa. Brendan, what, as an actual Texan, what do you give that? Three and a half stars. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. Okay. Yeehaw. All right. <laughs> Lily of the Valley. Uh, as someone from the sound of music. Is it L- Lily of the Valley? <laughs> <laughs> Lily of the Valley. Huh. <laughs> Two and a half stars. Wow. Jake is a hard <sighs> taskmaster. Tackmaster? No, Task. Task. Taskmaster. <laughs> it wasn't the singing, master. it was the melody that kept it. Yeah, it was actually a Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol song. That I was uh, <laughs> yeah, if you had said Muppet Christmas Carol, I would have yeah. probably given that four stars. Four stars. Air Andrew and Esther, the lover. <laughs> Andrew and as someone from La La Land. Oh, have you seen that one? Yeah, I have. I don't yeah, remember it at all. Something um, in the 20s. Andrew and Esther, the lover. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Nestor, the lovebirds. Yeah, four stars. Oh, oh wow. wow. That's pretty good. That's just because he wrote like Lala Land. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, the Inscrutable, Jenny Z. The Inscrutable, oh, I'm not supposed to say it. Oh, as a German. The Inscrutable, Jenny Z. Ah, well. Mm, two stars. Two stars. Whoa. Wow. You haven't gotten a one star yet, so that's nice. That's true. That's true. Um, Go for a one star. I'm sure there'll be a one star. <laughs> you're just going to tell her she's thoroughly mediocre, but you're not going to hurt her feelings. <laughs> uh, Robert and Rhonda, the lovebirds. As French people. Robert and Rhonda, the lovebirds. Ooh, four stars. Um, I believe Brandon said French people. That sounds like like a French person. I can't do my my throat singing multiple voices. Oh, English is not my thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. You don't know anything about English. Uh, John and Jill, the lovebird, little baby Max. Oh, as a circus master... (laughs) <laughs> With a whip, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Jake held her. What's your name? Brandon held yeah. up a whip. John and Jill, the lover. Oh, who? Who am I doing? John and Jill, the lover. Yeah, John and Jill, the lover. Okay. Yeah. John and Jill, the lovers. It's little baby X. Mm. Uh oh. Do I sense a one and a half star? Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> Two stars. Two stars. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> <laughs> the Keith Master. Oh, as um. If you were to imagine someone narrating during the X-Files theme song, they would sound like this. Never seen the X-Files. The Keith Monster. I don't know. Zero stars. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the X-Files. <laughs> Pretty move weird. along. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Keith. Uh, move along. It's Maldern Scully. I loved it. I would love to watch the version of the X-Files. Four stars from me, Danny. Uh, okay. Uh, David's Mighty Man. Oh, trucking. as um, as Pennsylvanians from Philadelphia. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) As opposed to. (laughs) (laughs) David's Mighty Men Trucking. 
I don't know. I don't either. I was thinking of <laughs> Jerry three, Cochran. Three stars. Uh, Philadelphia people kind of, don't do they Pittsburgh. have like a kind Pittsburgh. of a Pittsburgh. city sort of a... Do it again. No, I already did. All right, well, then we'll do the next one is Pittsburgh. Oh, All right, fine. Oh, no. You can't do this one as Pittsburgh. What is it? Well, it's not going to be that. It's going to be something different. You don't get to set this, mister. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> That'd be a good voice to use on one of your kids, by the way, <laughs> if you don't already. Um, what did I say this person was last time? Chattering, clattering? Joe, chattering, clattering? Uh, the chattering, clattering Joanna. Oh, man. Oh, help me here. Um, as what? Jake, as what? It's as, not my job. It's not your job. That's right. It's my job. <laughs> Foiled again. Oh. As, uh, as, uh, is. Spanish. Spaniard. A Spanish Spaniard. Chattering, clattering. Joanna. Joanna? The chattering, clattering Joanna. Joanna. Wow. One star. Oh, that hurts. Oh, no. You're going to get it back with this one. Yeah. You got to. You got to. I expect a four star production for this. Must be. The incandescent Meredith. The incandescent Meredith. Oh, what does she get? Something that can She's be in Chicago. Yeah. So as a Chicagoan. Hey, it's Will Windy up here. Yeah, eh? yeah. The incandescent you know? Meredith. Um, I think you just said the incandescent Meredith. It's real windy up here, you know. Can you do that hey. again? He was talking over you. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> you can do it, Danny. I believe in you. Oh. Do it for Meredith. Is that what I'm saying? The incandescent Meredith. Mm-hmm. The incandescent Meredith. Say I'll like, give you three stars. Yeah, oh, three stars. That's great. How can you get that one wrong? Oh, man. You know what? I'm exhausting this. is. Maya! Maya! Five stars. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Wow. Broke the scale. Broke the system there. Um, I wonder if Maya likes it that hers is always <laughs> never anything but just yelling. I think it's it's got to be a Love endearing. you, Maya. Yeah, I mean, we like Maya. I oh, think that Maya's I think that's great. more interesting than me butchering their names with some accent I can't do. Yeah, well, I don't know if that it's more interesting, but it's kind of fun listening to you butcher the accents. Yeah, no, mm, I thanks. like it. I like it. How well, about Brandon more... does it next time? Hey, hey, I've done my fair share. I've done this every week. <laughs> we don't know. We only get to put you on a spot every once in a while. It's true. Uh, Rock and Ryan and Jumpin' Judy. Like you're from. Rock and Ryan, yeah, like Rock the, and Ryan, jump, yeah, jump, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Judy. You got four it. Stars. You're four stars. That Thank was four you. stars. Yeah. Rock and Ryan, jump, jump, and Judy. Danny did it. Danny the dude. I didn't have to say it. I was just like, you know, you come on, mm-hmm. keep uh-huh. feeling it. That's yeah. <laughs> true. Danny the dude. Oh, Danny the dude. Mm-hmm. Dubstep. <laughs> <laughs> Danny the dude. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't even One know point five about. stars. <laughs> Acceptable. Five stars. All right. Emphasis on the five. It's out of four. That's not bad. Yeah. I know. It's not. <laughs> you make her do one as Maju. Machu Picchu. <laughs> yeah, it says Machu Picchu. Uh, Machu Picchu. Yeah. Maju. You know Danny's favorite. Oh, Danny's, that's Danny's true. Character. I completely forgot she had characters. Yeah. Uh, do one as Pastor Stu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where are we? Uh, DJ Sammy G. DJ Sammy G is Ma Dukeman. I was DJ Sammy G. <laughs> four star. Four star. That is four star. Uh, for sure. A Jay and Katie who are cold and love cheese. Jay and Katie who are cold and love cheese as Erica Rose Bloom. I think they might have been Erica Rose Bloom last time I was on. Oh, did we oh. make you do this no, exact no, same thing? Um, Jay and Katie who are cold and love cheese. <laughs> hey, 
Sounds like Erica Rosemont. What was that? I don't know. <laughs> I, was so, I, was so, I was so excited. Success. Art in action. Erica. In the flesh. Have you yeah. done an episode with Erica? No, do I get to? Yeah. We're going to actually yeah, we'll interact. Be in the We've never actually yeah. interacted. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you guys will. You have not interacted with Chastain family yet. No. Are we part of Mike? Are we going to be part of the second series arc? Sure. Oh, the yeah. Chastains are there to stay. I mean, unless Sweet. you move out of town or die or something. But... Thanks. Uh, time machine explodes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who are we at? Can we ever bring Shakespeare back to the present? Yeah, of course. Sweet. Um, Benny Can and- Jake be Shakespeare? Yeah. Will you speak totally. with a British accent to be Shakespeare? Sure. Sweet. Sure. <laughs> sure. As long as it's sure. not on the booketing. Sure, I will, Brian. If you're on, di- if you, you get to be Dickens and Shakespeare, because that's- Sure. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Benny and Danity. What? Benny and Danity. Oh, Benny and Danity. Mm, as a mad scientist in the lab's about to explode. <laughs> <laughs> Betty and Dennity! Whoa. Four stars. That's Four amazing. Stars. All we need to do is give you some of the <laughs> I like that. sanity characters. That sounds like that's going to be... <laughs> Mad scientists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah. crossed with like a used car sale. <laughs> Betty and Dennity! Get your Betty and Dennity right now. Come on down. Come on down. <laughs> okay. uh, Fire sale. <laughs> Literally. I love selling cars. Eric. And Catherine, the lovebirds, and little baby Silas. Oh, as um, as a Russian <laughs> who's in cahoots with Trump. It's like you're telling this to Trump Eric. as someone you want to put on the hit list. Eric and Catherine and Silas. <laughs> Two stars. I don't really feel like they're in that was much generous. danger here. Eric and Catherine. Dad made the vodka. Uh. <laughs> Russian Eric and Catherine. Eric and Catherine. They must be destroyed. <laughs> well, yeah. Now, now try to be a woman doing that. It's a lot harder, okay? Yeah, you yeah, got to give it a little gravel. It definitely helps. Professor and Lady X. What's Erica Rosebloom's husband's name? Matt, oh, Matt no. Rosebloom. As Matt Rosebloom. <laughs> Google, Google. Google, Google. <laughs> Google, Google. Uh, Professor, Professor X and Lady X. Google, Google. <laughs> That's what you think of Matt. That's what she. That's probably really what she thinks of Matt. Oh, wow, two and a half stars. Two and a half star. What was that? Professor X, lady. guys. Oh yeah. Uh, donor shoutouts are done. Uh, thanks for listening to the booketing, everybody. Thanks for being on the booketing, Brandon. You're welcome, Nathan. Thanks for being on the booketing, Jake. You're welcome. Thanks for being on the booketing, Danny. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Come back next year sometime. Why don't you? Okay. And also, we've got a special thing planned with Danny that I dare say I won't even be on. Do you dare say? Can we announce that? Why don't we announce it with Danny here? You want to announce that, little women? Oh, yeah. We're going to do that, right? Oh, yeah. We're totally going to do that. Let's go ahead and announce it. Danny, why don't you be the one to announce this? This is exciting. Yeah. We're going to have our very first women Women only. Only. Women only booking episode. It's like in the Upside Down. Mm Mm-hmm. Ooh, is there it's alternate be, reality. Is there going to be a uh, demigorgon? Yeah. yeah, lots of them. Sweet. Lots Probably. of demigorgons. You guys just try to outrun those demigorgons. I'd like to see you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bunch of women. Um, anyway, it'll be a women-only booketing episode yeah. on Little Women. Yeah, women talking about like big women. Well, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> fully grown women. Fully grown women <laughs> talking about Adult smaller women. 
There we go. Adult women. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fully grown. <laughs> um, regular women. Tact. Tact. Yeah. Regular women of all shapes and sizes. Jake's the only one who has it. Is that what? <laughs> what? Tact. No. Uh, women friends of. Um, you got your Danny. Yeah. Uh, who else is going to be on this thing with you, Danny? Uh, Amanda Mensel. Yeah. Now, who's she married to? She's the pastor's wife who's a master at life. Yeah, she's Ooh, the pastor's nice. wife who's a master at life. Wow. Danny's already been prepared for that. No, yeah, I, just, yeah. I just pulled that out. Yeah. Now, you have booking cred, booking experience, and I mm-hmm. feel like you're the most naturally me of those two. So mm-hmm. I think I'm going to christen you host of this thing. Wow. You're, you're the humble and obedient host. I think it just makes sense, don't you? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think Agreed. we all sort of thought that's what would happen. But, but we're going to need a contextual Texan, of course. Ooh. Well, I guess well, that'll have to be from. that'll that'll have to be the other woman that's on there because mm-hmm. the one and only Anna Chastain. Anna Chastain. The is there a Texaness? Texas. Texas nope. princess. Texas princess. Texas princess. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. <laughs> uh, yeah, and who's she married to? The contextual Texan. The contextual Texan himself, Brandon Chastain. So you guys are going to read. Yes. I don't know when in the year this is going to happen. Probably really probably more dependent on you guys. But as far as I'm concerned, we can start making it happen whenever. But yeah, we're going to have the ladies and they're going to do an episode and they're going to be entertaining and insightful and it'll be a heap of laughs and insights. Heap of laughs. Mm-hmm. But we won't giggle. You won't giggle? I'm opposed. No giggling, just laughing. I'm opposed to giggling women on podcasts. What about giggling men? Do we giggle on the booking, would you say? I can't say you've never giggled. You cannot. That's a very politic <laughs> answer. Wow. <laughs> I cannot say you've never giggled. So you have giggled. But have you... Have you did, uh, had as much disdain for our giggling as for the giggling women. <laughs> the giggling gaggles of, no, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. She has to her phone this. across the room occasionally. Mm-hmm. And, but mostly we let out deep manly throat. Belly laughs. Flash me that pipe in my whiskey, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Just put your, sand- your presence under the tree there, Santa. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. I'll knock those teeth out with my mighty fists, Nathan. Oh, no. Thanks for listening, everybody.